I'm Brett Chang. And I am Jay Rosenthal, and this is your Peak Daily for September 27th, where we cover the biggest stories in Canadian and global business, finance, and tech, all in less than seven minutes. Okay, Jay, get ready to party like it's 2004 and dredge up some cringe-worthy memories of school dances. That's more for me than you, Jay, because uh, we're generationally different because Usher is headlining this year's Super Bowl halftime show. Now, no word yet on whether Lil Jon and Ludacris will pop in for a rendition of Yeah. What do you think, Jay? Are you, uh, you, you know, you have a connection to Atlanta. Are you excited <laughs> for Usher? No. In fact, the list of people that must have been asked before Usher, it has to be a page and a half long. And like, he's a talented artist, of course, but not recently. Yeah, he's not the most relevant anymore. And then I thought when they did the, was it last year that they had Snoop Dogg and Eminem yeah. and all these guys come out? That was like fun because it was thematic. It was like a throwback. Yeah. I guess that was the year before. Rihanna was last year. Right. But it was thematic and I understood it. This year, I don't know. I don't get it. Just Usher. I'm not sure. Yeah, it's not great. <laughs> like, it won't be iconic. Rihanna had a huge buildup. Obviously, the fellas in LA had a big buildup too. But this feels like this is like the JV team being rolled up for the biggest game of the year. So who would you have, Jay, before we get to the episode? I mean, everybody big said no, plus some people who got sort of half canceled midway through their uh, the hype. So I don't know. Like, I, maybe I would have thought of something different to do. I don't know. I would go with, you know, I think Justin Bieber would be fun. If you want to do a throwback, at least he's more culturally relevant today, but he's also got a catalog that spans through the past decade. See, I, I see what you're trying to do. You're going to bring it back to Luda, like he could also appear with Justin Bieber. I think you want well, Luda. No, I'm tying it all back to Usher. Usher discovered Justin Bieber. <laughs> Right. So you think we have a Justin Bieber appearance heading towards us? Never say never. Never say never. If he is, can I please make a request that he wear a Biebs hat from Tim Hortons? So the price of my- Request denied, Jay. <laughs> okay. Brett, aside from the halftime show that you and I are planning, what are we going to do for the Peak Palace today? For our first story, the FTC challenges Amazon. For our second story, the super shoe foot race heats up. And for our last story, Canada courts digital nomads. For our first story, the FTC surely must be inspired by the story of David and Goliath because the U.S. regulatory body won't stop picking fights with tech giants. Brett, who is the FTC going up against now? So the U.S. Federal Trade Commission, the FTC, alongside 17 states, has filed an antitrust lawsuit against Amazon, claiming the company is a monopoly that illegally crushes its competition, keeps prices inflated for consumers, and traps third-party sellers. I actually thought that was their mission statement, Brett. Just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. The suit contains 20 separate charges, but the thrust of the case centers around how third-party sellers have no choice but to use Amazon's marketplace platform, with many ending up paying nearly 50% of their revenue to Amazon through various fees. Now, Amazon shot back with a senior VP claiming that the practices in question have helped to spur competition and innovation across the retail industry, and they've produced greater selection, lower prices, and faster delivery for Amazon customers. Now to catch you up, under chair Lena Khan, the FTC has made a habit of going after big tech, challenging business practices and acquisitions. Amazon is perhaps the biggest fish yet for Khan as she made her career with groundbreaking paper on Amazon's monopolistic practices. But though ambitious, the FTC's strategy has not yet paid off. This past year, it lost cases against both Meta and Microsoft where it sought to block major acquisitions. And it matters because with the Department of Justice also suing Alphabet and Apple, the U.S. government is taking on three of the world's largest tech companies' business practices. How these all play out will determine if the feds have any chance of reining them in or if it's too little too late. For our second story, the saddest six-word story ever written, for sale. 
$500 shoes worn once. That seems excessive or extreme. Tell me more, Jay. Well, if it made you run faster, you might wear them. Well, the Adizero Adios Pro Evo 1s are now on sale. I know that's a mouthful, but they'll be great on your feet, Brett. They're Adidas's newest running shoe, which runner Tigest Asefa, I think I pronounced that right, I looked it up, wore when she shattered the Women's World Marathon record last weekend. The price tag for these record-setting sneaks is $500 US. And Jay, if you thought, well, at that price, they must last you a long time, well, you'd be wrong. (laughs) It's the opposite, in fact. Weighing a mere 138 grams, they're designed to last only one marathon plus a pre-race warm-up. That comes out to about $19 a mile. And to catch you up, since 2016, the biggest race in the running world hasn't been any marathon, but the race between shoe companies to develop the top super shoe. That is feather light runners boasting shock absorbing foam and carbon fiber plates to maximize performance. While Nike kicked off the revolution and dominated marathon podiums early on, it's now facing stiff competition from the likes of Adidas and Swiss newcomer On, which also look kind of cool. And it matters because a $500 single-use pair of shoes will test the uppermost limit of the running market and show how much amateur runners will spend to set personal bests. One expert told The Guardian that super shoes can shave more than five minutes off marathon times for amateur runners who can finish races in the three-hour, 30-minute to four-hour range, which is kind of a, that's a lot of runners, Brad, actually. I know, but it sounds like uh, it's a pretty hefty expense for five minutos. Time to zoom out. The emergence of super shoes aligns with the growing popularity of intense fitness culture. However, it can also be seen as another sign alongside Peloton and pricey gym memberships that peak fitness is actually becoming less accessible than ever. For our third story, picture the life of a digital nomad. You're probably thinking of oceanfront workplaces, rainforest yoga, and drinking out of coconuts. But what about this has anything to do with Toronto? Well, see you at Woodbine Beach, Jay. Here's what's driving the news. Per Bloomberg, the list of picturesque destinations cutting the red tape and offering people remote work visa schemes is growing, including places like Barbados, Portugal, and Germany. Some are even extending visas in hopes of boosting business and innovation. Now, Canada, which already offers six-month visitor visas for digital nomads, is currently working on a tech talent strategy to attract foreign workers by the end of this year. Over the summer, Canada also offered temporary work permits to U.S. H-1B visa holders. The program saw applications hit the 100,000-person capacity within a day. Yeah, but that was over the summer. Try that in February. But it matters because the competition is heating up to include long-term talent, not just temporary tourists. The hope for many of these countries is that workers stick around, find local jobs, and contribute to the economy, especially in the most coveted fields like STEM fields. Bringing smart people to a new country can also benefit local economies from knowledge spillover. Chowdhury, a Harvard professor, told Bloomberg. The bottom line is, even as employers push to bring workers back to the office, the hybrid work model is only growing. If Canada establishes itself as a remote work-friendly country, there could be a steady stream of highly skilled digital nomads that make Canada their home. Peak Pals, thanks for making us the most listened to business news podcast in Canada. If you got a second, why not follow this podcast on your app of choice and leave us a review, especially you digital nomads who are listening for the first time. And if you want more Peak, make sure to subscribe to our daily newsletter at readthepeak.com. Thank you, Brett, and have a great Wednesday, Peak Pals. Peak Pals.